0: live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it!
1: Welcome to the final drive. It's a Friday edition, a good Friday edition at that here on WNSP 105.5. Corey Bounty joined by Michael Bronner behind the glass taking your telephone calls at 251-694-1055 is how you can reach out and get in touch with us and make sure that you listen for the master's theme song to win one set of two timber creek golf passes we've been giving those away all week long and it's in honor of the Masters, and make sure when you hear that Masters theme song played, you give Michael Broner a call at 251-694-1055. And Michael Bronner, of course, it's been all about the Masters yesterday and today, and what a beautiful and glorious day that they had to get started at Augusta. But today, a little bit of a delay. They tried to start the tee times 30 minutes early earlier but they had a 30 minute delay a while back about an hour ago and it looks like the rain will continue to come down here tomorrow as well
2: yeah the players only had to get off the course for about 20 minutes probably didn't need to get off at all but i guess when it comes to lightning they're better safe than sorry which is you know you can understand that strategy uh so the delay started about 215 or so lasted to about 235 it was funny john rom was sitting there uh, with a shot out of the bunker and and, and couldn't <laughs> couldn't shoot. He was, like, almost lining up to hit when the horn blew, and uh, he, he was pretty upset about that. But it's looking like hopefully they're going to get them all in today. A lot of guys already finished for the day. Uh, we'll see if the later guys are able to finish up today. But, uh, yeah, like you said, the weather tomorrow is supposed to be where it's at its worst, I believe. So we'll see if... We'll see what happens tomorrow. I, unfortunately, there there might be, like, no golf played at all tomorrow, which would really suck, but that that might end up being the case. Uh, Brooks Kepka got out there at, like, 7 a.m. this morning, shot another 5 under, so he's not really running away with it, but he's the certainly the leader in the clubhouse sitting at 12 under. But the story of the tournament right now is amateur Sam Bennett sitting at 8 under tied for second place is like historic what this kid is doing he, he, he's on track for the best finish for an amateur in like 50 years
1: and i know that we'll have at 330 ryan balingy to talk about him being present and he's the owner of golf news net and we can talk all of with him about what he's able to see and hear there on the grounds at Augusta. Of course, at 4.15, we'll talk to Kane Womack, the head football coach at South Alabama. South Alabama concluded their second live scrimmage today at Hancock-Whitney Stadium. So we'll get the thoughts on Kane Womack's squad's performance today as, again, a week from tomorrow the Jags will have their big spring game at Hancock Whitney stadium. That'll be open to the public and at five o'clock we'll have Evan Dudley. He's a UAB beat writer for AL.com. And we talked to Trent Dilver a couple of weeks ago about, the influx of Mobile, Alabama talent on UAB's roster. And there were some big-time playmakers from Mobile yesterday and UAB's spring game. So we'll talk to Evan Dudley about that. But this good Friday here, good golf. Again, you mentioned it just moments ago. Brooks Kepka continues to finish his rounds. And, again, shooting 12 under, He's one of those guys that your man, John Rahm, still in second place, has finished eight holes and today is one under. So I know that has to make you pretty happy, Michael Brown. Yeah,
2: I mean, the the numbers are not out there as much today. That, that's why it was good, you know, and I thought Kepka would have a good round today. The guys who played yesterday afternoon and had good rounds we're at such an advantage today I think Jason day had a really good morning today the guy who played the guys who played late yesterday and early today were at such an advantage because you knew they weren't gonna get interrupted by weather I think it's been windier this afternoon than it was this morning as well so uh, yeah Kepka obviously wasn't affected by the weather at all able to go out there and shoot five under and really put himself in a position to go and seize this thing, I mean, it's, we're two rounds into it, not even two rounds into it. We'll see what Rom finishes at. Uh, Colin Morikawa is sitting at, at six under. He finished his round today. We'll see what Rom, if they're able to get all 18 in, is able to finish at. Like, yeah, he's crawled his way to eight under. I would think he's going to finish a little bit better than eight under at least, although he is struggling to uh, to put birdies up right now. Although, as I, as I say this, he's lining up for a makeable birdie part right now, so I'll, I'm, I'm going to give you an update on that as soon as it happens, but he's eight under right uh, going to on the ninth hole right now so we'll see if he can get that second birdie of the first nine putt is lining up oh my god he put it in uh so rom is now nine under through nine holes in solo second place there's a little live update for you through nine holes rom is two under on the day gets to nine under on the week solo second place passing sam bennett who again is done for the day so rom now three back of brooks Kepka with still nine holes to go we'll see if he can uh he can make some noise though the projected cut is two over and sitting right at
1: that cut line is tiger woods who has finished 10 holes and he's even for uh, for today and what what you have to look at with tiger woods is again I, i mentioned that tiger's gonna move the needle and again anytime tiger's playing golf he's my personal favorite now tiger of course We've seen the best of Tiger Woods, and anything to where he is in contention is an absolute hallmark story and made-for-television type of drama. But those who are expecting to continue to do well, you mentioned the amateur, Sam Bennett. That's unheard of for an amateur to hold on to second place and play that type of golf because we talked about Gordon Sargent. Yeah, he the struggled. young 19 year old from Vanderbilt and Mountain Brook High School, five over with par being at 77 on yesterday, and I think that he just learned how difficult this yeah. golf course can be.
2: Yeah, he went he went four over today as well, so he he's going to finish at nine over. He he's not going to make the cut, but amateurs aren't supposed to make the cut at Augusta. It's not you know what what Sam Bennett is doing right now. It puts in perspective. How impressive Sam Bennett is because I I was looking at uh before the tournament kind of odds for who the best amateur is going to be. Gordon Sargent was kind of the heavy 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 favorite there. He's the number one ranked amateur in the world, and uh, you know the probably the best amateur, obviously. He's the number one ranked amateur in the world. Sam Bennett is the U.S. amateur champ, so you know people know who knew who he was. But Sargent was like plus one fifty or something, like the heavy favorite to be the low amateur. Sam Bennett was like plus five hundred or something like that. Like what he's doing is not supposed to happen. He has one bogey in two rounds at Augusta National. It's like he doesn't. It's almost like he doesn't even know where he is. Like th- this isn't this isn't normal. This isn't supposed like it never happens. You don't see an amateur sitting at the top of the leaderboard. I mean, just look at the names he's between you yep, have Brooks Kepa, John Rahm Sam Bennett and then Colin Morikawa Victor Hovland Jason Day Sam Burns Jordan Spieth it's it's unbelievable what's happening right now
1: well again the projected cut being two over and when I start looking at those who are not expected to make the cut if you were to tell me Bryson DeChambeau would not make the cut Roy McElroy, mm. Sergio Garcia VJ Singh, there's a blast from the past there. Of course, Bubba Watson is one of those as well. All names going in that you probably would have thought would have an opportunity to go ahead and play the third and fourth rounds.
2: Yeah, I think Bryson and, and he's one of the live guys too. I uh, he struggled quite a bit I think on on Live. And I don't watch a whole lot of Live, but I mean, none of these Live guys the The big names don't win, and you kind of understand why, like like we said yesterday, Kepka is a guy who, even when he was on the p g a tour he it wasn't that it was pretty regular for him to not be competitive in the smaller events and then show up around major time. It's not a guy that like. Supreme. He's even publicly said it like, oh, I don't really like golf that much. Like, I I don't practice that much in my off time. I I like to do other things. I, you know, golf is just what I do for a living. But, you know, when it comes to major time, I lock. I mean, like he's the he's one of the most talented players in the world, but he's a guy who doesn't really like to play golf that much. It's 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 mind boggling to me.
1: Well, what's amazing to me, too, though, is where your concentration, your focus has to be. With the weather looming and even with the delay today, like I said, close to a 30-minute Masters delay due to the lightning in the area, where where does that take you if you're in some type of rhythm or a groove? Because I know that you've seen NFL players or NBA players talk about them being in the zone. And when you're striking that ball, and the, the biggest thing is, Michael, the temperatures are what's expected to change drastically yeah, because be cool. we're looking at close to 80 degrees today and then within 2 days again just like mobile alabama it's going to drop to maybe 53 or 54 degrees on saturday tomorrow could be the coldest masters
2: on record yeah and and i think as for, as for the delay i mean that affects Players, certainly, if you feel like you're in a groove and you're putting stringing good holes together, like that's gonna. I don't know. I, I guess uh, golf is perhaps more than any other sport a game of mental fortitude and mental toughness. So it's kind of no, no pun intended here about weathering that storm and kind of just getting back out there. And but if you're Tiger, for example, right now, I mean, he physically needs to stay loose because of the thing with his legs. Like, you saw after a 20-minute delay, he was doing these little glute stretches because he he physically, like, if he's standing there for or sitting for a long period of time after a delay he's going to be in some trouble as for a lot of these younger guys who are in just ridiculous shape I think it's probably more of a mental thing for them than anything uh so it it, it's 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 just about staying locked in and and being ready to go I I think Rom kind of stepped up and and made a nice par putt he was uh, he was in the bunker right before the horn sounded for the delay so I, I I think it depends on the player whether it's more of a physical or a mental thing with the delay as for the cold tomorrow I, I don't know i i think that it's probably built for the the longer players the more powerful players i think they will do better in the cold I, but yeah it's you don't see a masters with uh, and check the temperature and the first numbers of four there <laughs> that, that's no.
1: not what you want to see absolutely not i i mean it's hard enough to sit there and say okay when you have the british open or some windier or blustery conditions to go ahead and fight that but to continue to to fight the low and frigid temperatures it, it's it's the creme de la creme are gonna come definitely when you start looking at these next couple of days and the elements they're gonna have to battle now if it does get pushed to monday no rain I'd expected anyway yeah. to Monday, uh, so that that would be a plus. But you know, it's again, sure gonna suck
2: like I because I don't think they're going to be able to play tomorrow. At least that's what it looks like right now. Again, you know, the weather report—it's no different than Mobile. The weather report now <laughs> could be very different than what it actually it could could be seventy and sunny tomorrow. But as it looks right now. There could be no golf at all tomorrow, which you know you hate to see on Masters weekend. I don't know what I'm gonna do with myself to- man, if it's raining here and there's no Masters on. I don't know what I'm gonna do with myself tomorrow. Maybe I'll be productive and clean my apartment or something. I'll I'll have to find something to do. But I, I man, I, <laughs> I'm facing that reality. But anyway. Um, yeah I, I I hope that they're able to get at least something in tomorrow because if you don't get anything in tomorrow, yeah, it's it's gonna be pushed to Monday and that just takes away from a lot of the drama like you, you don't want to have to have to see it end on Monday. No, I, I mean, I think it's it's great for
1: television in regards to saying okay Sunday is is what you want to see Easter Sunday. that's when a lot of people will definitely be in front of their televisions versus a Monday. but the Masters Monday. Is maybe what we'll call it and I know here within the next 24 hours the weather again subject to change because here raining tomorrow and sunshine on Sunday so we'll see if those fronts decide to sit on Augusta or decide to move through but it could be historic rainfall at Augusta tomorrow that will make it a total wash but the great thing is you're on one of the greatest courses on the planet and And, of course, that everyone looks forward to. And, again, that projected cut line is two over. So we'll see exactly what happens and whether Tiger Woods will be able to make that one. Because, again, Tiger moves the needle in golf for sure. The final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Don't forget to listen for the Masters theme song to win one set of two Timber Creek golf passes given away here by WNSP.
3: Hi, this is Luis Gonzalez, former South Alabama Jaguar and Major League player. You're listening to WNSP Mobile.
1: The final drive here on WNSP. Corey Labonte and Michael Brauner joining you on this good Friday. And the Alabama Crimson Tide have had three weeks of spring practice going on, and they held its first live scrimmage this afternoon at Bryant-Denny Stadium, very similar to what the Jaguars and Kane Womack have done, and Alabama has now completed eight out of their scheduled 14 practices, and of course, with it being closed, a closed scrimmage to the media and the public, They'll have another close scrimmage on the 15th before it's 8 day game on the 22nd. And Nick Saban, of course, today addressing the media after said really no difference in the quarterbacks. Both quarterbacks played well. He was impressed with the four running backs that he had. And Nick Saban said he doesn't really like to get in the way of the coaches letting them do their thing as far as having a new defensive and offensive coordinator. I think that that's big time for them. He said that's the next step of progression, being able to play winning football is to let your assistant coaches do their thing. Michael, I, I think that, you know, Nick Saban has, has kept things close to the vest and it's been about reps, reps, and reps and not depth from a practice standpoint for this Crimson Tide team.
2: Yeah, the running backs. Is interesting. I, obviously, you bring in Tommy Reese and a big point of the discussion is going to be oh, Alabama getting back to ground and pound, which I, I think is true to a degree. And we've talked about that a lot. But I, I mean, they're never going to not be a pass first team. It, it's just the reality. It's the reality of college football if you're trying to play a high-level offense. Like, yes, you can get back to maybe a more balanced attack, and especially exiting the Bryce Young era and entering the Milrose-Simpson era. Yes, I mean, certainly there's going to be more of a running element than there has been in the past couple of years. But, I mean, that being said, there there's still going to be a team that relies on the passing game every. I mean, it's 2023 in college football. You can't you can't turn back the clock 50 years and expect to uh, be a championship contender. It just doesn't work that way. That being said, I do love this running back room: Jason McClellan, Roy Williams, and I'm assuming the other two he's talking about at that point are uh, uh, Justice Haynes and Is it would it be Richard Young or uh, or the other kid who was a freshman last year? Uh, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Well,
1: he didn't name anybody besides Royell Williams coming back for the Alabama Crimson Tide today. Jamarian returning Miller to practice. Is the other one I was thinking of. There you way. go. And when when you start looking at what Nick Saban wants Alabama to accomplish with this new offensive coordinator, I, I think that Nick said, "Look, the players love him, and he's using the system, adding some more multiples to run the ball and." Tommy Rees understands how to use formations to set matchups quoting Nick Saban there. And when you have a running back room that consists of four running backs, that that's something that I think is very impressive for this Alabama Crimson Tide. Now I think what's missing is that big bruising back that Alabama has had in the past. When you want to run the damn ball with Derrick Henry and, um, And just pound it on people, pound it, pound
2: it. I mean, Josh Jacobs was not scared to take it between the tackles. I think Jace McClellan kind of fills that role. I mean, obviously, he's not Derrick Henry. No one is, but... I mean, I, when you need to like pound it between the tackles, look at the the second half of the Ole Miss game last year is what I really point to there. When Jameer Gibbs was sidelined, it was weird. I I was actually at that game. I remember it was like it was Jameer Gibbs benched or is he injured? And it turned out he he was dealing with an ankle injury in that game. But uh, Jace McClellan is really like what won them that game. You know, getting getting the run established in that game and and uh, in in a power type of format and uh he had had a long touchdown in the texas game as well i I, i'm a big fan of jace mcclellan I, i think that these two freshmen coming in are very talented as well i think mcclellan is is more of your traditional back per se than uh than maybe i don't know how much he brings in the way of like electrifying guy but he's a dependable guy that can give you three downs and uh, and get between the tackles and put his head down and give you some yards. So I like Jace McClellan quite a bit. I I think he's uh, that, that's the, I think the room is talented enough that you don't need to have that bell cow guy. And so, but I I think McClellan specifically is, is such a valuable guy to have.
1: He's he's listed at two twelve, but again, I don't think that bruising big back. Alabama couldn't move the line of scrimmage against Texas. Alabama didn't have anybody, even if the line of scrimmage didn't move, that was falling forward against in, against that Texas game. Even LSU, you, you look at the games that Alabama lost, it was the short yardage situation to where normally you hand the ball off and you're going downhill and you're going to pick up that first down. Alabama, to me, hopefully this year, We'll find a way with the new offensive coordinator to get back to that,
2: yeah, and i and I think that there certainly is going to be an element of turning back the clock a little bit and going back to that old school smash mouth style I just i I think that if you rely too much on that and try to turn back the clock too much that you're putting yourself in a spot where you're you're gonna have a hard time beating an offense that is like for example, Tennessee last year. Like you're not gonna you're not gonna put up 49 points and keep up with an offense like ten, what Tennessee did. to You like ideally you're not giving up 52 points. In in uh, in the converse of that, you're you're hoping that your defense is going to perform and not give up 49 points. But you need to be able to win a shootout too. And again, you're not gonna have Bryce Young to bail you out. So I you know a more balanced attack is gonna be good. Not then take a little bit of pressure off that quarterback. But we'll see what happens. I I think no matter who's under center, the offense is going to be very. Very interesting for sure.
1: Well, I'm just glad that Roydale Williams decided to come back. And I think, you know, with him coming back at full strength and healthy, just the more backs that you can have, you if I can sit there and you're you're able to have what you truly call a third down back, that's great. Because I mean you look at Josh Jacobs and what he was able to provide. Yeah, you could have put him in there on first or second down, but you didn't have to. And that's how he was able to stay fresh how it's and be been. so explosive. And that's what's going on for Alabama as they concluded their eighth practice today. Full contact for the Crimson Tide. So we'll continue to look at Nick Saban's quotes coming out of that practice today. Coming up next here on the final drive, Ryan Balaji will give us a breakdown of what he's seen at the Masters. Right here on WNSP
4: 105.5. Hi, right, this is Juan Pierre, former South Alabama Jaguar, former MLB player, and you're listening to WNSP.
1: The final drive on this Good Friday. Here in Mobile, Alabama, Corey Labonte along with Michael Brawner joining you this afternoon. And, of course, everyone's taking a look at what's going on at Augusta, the Masters, and, of course, the leaderboard right now, Brooks Koepka is doing Brooks Koepka-type things. He's finished for the day, 5-under, 12-under total. And no better person to talk to. To get a better feel for what's going on at the Masters than Ryan Ballingy. And Ryan, good afternoon, and thanks for joining us here on the final drive. Thanks for having me on again. Well, I tell you, when you came into this Masters tournament, my man Michael Bronner, he likes John Rom to win it all. And I wanted Tiger Woods to at least make the cut and move the needle for golf and today of course we had that first rain delay i guess the biggest question that everybody wants to know is if they finish today will there be any golf tomorrow
4: that's a great question i'm not convinced we're going to play a whole lot of golf tomorrow the weather forecast looks pretty bad this evening with some more rain expected to roll in but you know how it is with thunderstorms in the southeast that can happen or not happen so (laughs) it looks much more certain for tomorrow that it's going to be a steady rain, that it's going to be pretty consistent at some point. That's probably going to stop play. I just don't know when. So uh, I think fingers crossed to get through this today without another delay. And it looks like it's kind of teetering on that. And if you can get through today, maybe you just have a a washout tomorrow and you just have to kind of fit it in on Sunday as best you can. And then probably go to Monday. But I, I think it's still a little too unpredictable to know uh, if we won't even see any golf tomorrow because I thought it would be a little bit worse today than it is, and you know we've kind of dodged it a little bit
1: well that's the story of mobile alabama's weather as well you don't like it stick around for 24 hours and you get all four seasons the temperature is expected to drop regardless of whether the thunderstorms pounce on augusta or not and the projected cut line is two over and tiger woods is sitting at even right now do you expect tiger woods to make the cut and if he does will this inclement cold weather really make a difference in what he's going to be able to accomplish
4: yeah i did bet him to make the cut and I, and I mean i hope he does i think it'd be good to have him for the weekend regardless of whether he's in contention or not but i i think dropping temperatures 25 30 degrees from yesterday but that messes with a guy where i don't care what your bones are like or how old you are if you have uh they have broken bones or arthritis or those types of things. I've had so many people tell me over the years it just gets worse with cold weather and you can kind of feel it in your bones when it's about to change. And I think the same thing will probably happen for Tiger. He's talked about being a little bit more painful, in more pain, uh, having a little bit more of a consistent dull in his legs compared to last year because he's been trying hard to prepare for this tournament. I- I'm not saying he can't finish it, but let's get through the weekend. Or let's get through the, the cut and then let's see if he can get through the weekend. rather. What's been more
1: impressive when you sit there from a golfer's standpoint? Is it Sam Bennett, the amateur, or is it Gordon Sargent at 19 years of age sitting there playing at the Masters?
4: I think Gordon Sargent's going to be an impressive kid. He's got all the physical gifts you need to be Uh, a tremendous professional elite-level golfer someday. He's not there quite yet. The short game is not there quite yet. I I did bet him to be the low-am. I didn't know if Sam Bennett was going to turn up in the way that he did at the USAM. He clearly has. has been remarkable. Uh, I, I think that's more impressive to play alongside the defending champion of the Masters and find yourself right up there going into the weekend against a whole bunch of incredible competition. Now now the challenge is, can he do it for two more days, realizing that he could do something incredibly special that's never been done at this tournament if he plays his cards right over the next two or three days?
2: Yeah, Ryan, right. of course we were rooting for uh, Gordon Sargent. He's a Mountain Brook, uh, Birmingham kid. But, uh, I mean, what Sam Bennett is doing right now is, I mean, I've never seen anything like it in my lifetime. Uh, what, can you remember an amateur performing like this at a a Masters in ever, at least in the last, what, 50 years?
4: I mean, we've had a couple of really good runs from amateurs, but not quite to this level, I don't think. I mean, Matt Kuchar in the late 90s, and then Bryson DeChambeau was quite impressive, but not quite to this level. The the closest analog maybe I have is to Paul Dunn at the Open at the Old Course in 2015. And he played tremendously well but then fell apart in the final round, just just couldn't put it all together for four days. And you never know with a, a player who is untested at this level, I, I don't care how long you've been a professional or if you're an amateur, what your body is gonna go through, what you're gonna feel like on this particular stage when you have the eyes and you know you have the eyes of the world on you. And Sam Bennett seems just swaggy enough with everything that he does that I don't think it's gonna bother him all that much. But you just never know. But whatever, whatever he does from here on out, it's incredibly impressive what he has accomplished this week.
2: Well, they're back in a delay right now. We'll see. Hopefully, if we're able to play some more golf today, uh, I'm not going to ask you to predict the weather. But how much of an advantage was it for for Brooks Kepka and guys like that who got the tee off at 7 a.m. today? And weren't affected by the weather. Whereas John Rahm, you know, he's having to go in and out of the clubhouse all day.
4: Yeah, I think the default is that the benefit is huge, right? But it depends on how long the next time is until Brooks Koepka and everybody in that wave hits a golf shot. Because I think at a certain point, kind of rot sets in, sitting around too long sets in, you kind of check out a little bit competitively. It's hard to snap right back in if you're waiting 18, 24, 36 hours before you play another shot that matters. So I think there's a certain point where that maybe turns in the favor the other way, but If you can get through that second round, it it just depends on what they get accomplished today. If they get through the second round somehow, at least most of it, then I'm I'm not convinced that the benefit falls either way if we're not going to play tomorrow. And we'll just have to see what the weather brings. But I think the default thought is, hey, if you got done your 36th hole today, you have a huge advantage depending on what the delay looks like over the next day and a half.
1: Coming in, a lot of the talk had been – live golf versus pga golf and it's a situation phil mickelson has made his presence known and quiet is kept didn't have a lot to say at the dinner the champion's dinner but he's letting his golf do all the talking for him as this second round continues to unfold
4: yeah he's playing way better than i think most people would have expected i mean i I try to do this handicapping for a living and talking to people who are our members and, and doing different interviews and publishing stuff at our website. I didn't really know how to take the data about live because it felt like a lot of the outcomes on live are random, they're more random than the PGA tour, which obviously plays week to week and similar courses every year. And you kind of get to know venues a little bit better. And so I didn't know what to take from that, but Phil has been a terrible golfer since he went to live. I mean, truly bad. And then he comes to a place he obviously likes as one at three times, and probably had something to prove, and all of those things come together. He's playing pretty darn good golf, all things considered. So, uh, I mean, you don't want to compare a guy that's 52 years old to a guy that's 63 years old and Fred Couples, but I think if you get to this place enough times, if you have enough good golf left in you, you can play two, three, four good rounds here and there. So now the question mark is, can Phil do this for two more rounds and, and make himself relevant to the final result, or that he just kind of proved something by playing some pretty good golf for two days.
2: Does the cold weather that we're expecting, the next, and we're talking to Ryan Ballinger, Golf News Net, uh, does the cold weather we're expecting over the next couple of days favor a certain type of player like your John Roms, who are more powerful, or, or, or is there anything to that?
4: I think that there is, but not necessarily. And I think most people will point to 2007, the last time the Masters was quite cold. One of the shortest hitters in the field won because he was used to the ball not flying far, so it wasn't that much of a handicap difference for him to go from flying not far to slightly less far. Um, I-, I think for a longer player, dropping in temperature and wet is a-, is a bad combination because you're used to flying the ball far, you're used to rolling it out if you're John Rahm in particular, Scotty Scheffler as well, and-, and adding distance to your drives that way. You already kind of face a little bit of... of uh, an issue with that at Augusta because of the way they mow the grass into you with the fairway. So you don't get quite as much rollout as you might expect at a PGA tour venue. But I think it's going to be quite a shock to these guys to go from 80-ish and beautiful yesterday to 50-something tomorrow if they get anything in. And similar weather will be closer to the 60s on Sunday. But the ball is just not going to go quite as far. And on a length off course, that means you get no rollout or relatively no rollout. So that, that takes away some of the advantage longer hitters have. Uh, that doesn't mean they can't be longer in terms of carry. They just don't have that 20, 30, 40 extra yards of rollout they might get compared to a shorter player. Uh, I, I don't think it, it helps them. Uh, I think it hurts them a little bit. But even so, they're still longer than the shortest guys. And most of these guys at the top of the board. They're not short knockers uh, by any stretch of the imagination. I don't think there's really a short guy among them.
2: Brooks Kepka, even when he was on the PGA Tour, certainly had a reputation as a guy who would show up for the majors and then kind of not necessarily disappear, but just he, he he's a major guy. He, he kind of shows up for the big events, and then the rest of the year, he's kind of eh. Uh, so are, are you at all surprised at the fact that he's done so well these first two days?
4: I mean, I am because this Brooks Kepka hasn't been around in three years, four years. And it's, I mean, it's jarring to see it because you haven't seen it in a while, but you knew it was in there because he's been going through injury and I think a lot of self-doubt, and and he did talk about this after the round today, where he said that if he felt this good and played this well and felt this healthy when he made the decision to go to live, maybe he wouldn't have made that choice, which I think is kind of interesting a way of absolving himself from making the move, but at, at the end of the day. He still had this in him when healthy. And it just was a matter of, could he be healthy? And for whatever reason, maybe it's playing less golf. Maybe it, it I don't know. I mean, maybe it's truly a load management situation. Playing less golf on live has helped him to get healthier. And now he can go out in the golf course and kind of do what he does best and do, do what he loves best, which is playing these big tournaments, showing up four times a year, threatening to win a couple. Maybe you get one out of it. And then you go back to live and you play, you know, 12, 13 events, and you don't have to care. You've already gotten paid for it. Uh, I mean, Jason Sobel, I think, with uh, with Action Network pr- probably put it best. He kind of gained the system here if this works out. He figured out how to make money week to week. He figured out how to have a lighter schedule, and he figured out how to play his best in the majors. If this all works out, it's, uh, it's kind of brilliant.
1: For those golfers that are not expected to make the cut, Bryce and DeChambeau, to me, that's kind of a – A shocker in and of itself. Former champion Sergio Garcia, Vijay Singh struggling as well, along with Bubba Watson. And I was hoping Bubba Watson, right here from Pensacola, would have an opportunity to play better golf at the Masters. But all of those are on the cut line.
4: Yeah, Bubba has not been a a good player since he went to live. I mean, he played; uh, he was injured when he made the move to live, and just started with this season. But the results have not been good. If you tried to compare and I tried to do this for golf news that tried to compare the competitive rounds on live this year to the competitive rounds on the PGA tour. And really the only two players that could even stand a chance that even sniffed the PGA tour players in terms of strokes gained by comparison were Mito Pereira and Brooks Koepka, everybody else didn't look very good. And, It looks like Cam Smith's playing pretty okay. Dustin Johnson's playing pretty okay. Those guys have a great track record on this golf course. Those were really the four guys, maybe Patrick Reed, that I thought people could look at from Live and say they have a chance. And everybody else I didn't think did. Looks like in the end it's going to be close to a 50-50 split for those 18 Live guys of who makes the cut and who doesn't. All told, that's not a bad representation for them. But Bubba Watson didn't look like a guy who was playing good golf and unfortunately did not play very good golf.
1: Well, Ryan, I have the biggest question of the afternoon for you. Whether it's on Sunday or Monday, who is going to win the $2.7 million purse and call themselves Masters champion and have an opportunity to put on that green jacket?
0: Well, I'd love to
4: tell you I know for sure, and I'd love to tell you with certainty, but I think there's a lot that's going to happen here in the next two, three days. We don't really know how it's going to affect these guys, but Brooks has been incredible. I think the longer he sits and the less he can, and the more he can mellow out after probably kind of talking himself into snacking everybody around the first couple of days, uh, I think that works against him. Uh, I personally have a, a ticket on Mora Kawa. Six-back is not bad after 36 holes if he can hang in there, but it really kind of just depends on how these guys approach the next few days of likely delays, and whether they respond to that with annoyance or they respond to it as an opportunity. And I, I don't know who's going to do that best, but I'm, I'll say Brooks Koepka wins in the end. I mean, he has just looked so darn good for the first 36 holes. It's kind of argue hard to argue with what he's done so far.
1: We'll see if he's able to hold on to that momentum. And again, me being a tiger woods fan would love to see him make the cut and be able to persevere through these lower temperatures that are going to be coming through Augusta, as well as just being able to finish the tournament as well can't thank you enough ryan for taking time out of your good friday to join us here on the final drive on wnsp and if people want to learn more and see about your coverage of the masters and all the other great tournaments that go on throughout the season how can they follow you
4: Head over to golfnewsnet.com if you want to read our stuff. You can sign up to be a member and go through all the handicapping stuff if you're into that kind of thing. Or you can follow us on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook at golfnewsnet.
1: Ryan Ballinger joining us on the final drive. Have a wonderful Easter weekend and we'll talk to you soon.
4: Thanks, guys. Do the same. Appreciate it.
1: The final drive here on WNSP 105.5 again. Big time golf being played the last couple of days and of course, into the weekend. So you wanna make sure that you listen for the Masters theme song to win one set of two Timber Creek golf passes that we're giving away here on the final drive.
5: This is Joyce Potter. thanks coach of the Houston Astros and you're listening to WNFT.
1: Masters theme song means you could win one set of two Timber Creek golf passes that will be available. You just give us a call here at 251-694-1055, 251-694-1055 to win your one set of two Timber Creek golf passes that we're giving away here on the final drive, and that's all it takes. And, again, we've been talking Masters because – with you have the masters teeing off yesterday and finishing up today hopefully without the amount of rain that's expected tomorrow it may be a masters monday that we finish with here and that would be historic in and of itself because the last time the masters finished up on a monday was in 1983. So it's something that, that does not happen too frequently. And we mentioned, like I said, just like here in Mobile, Alabama, you don't like the weather, stick around and it'll change because from 80 degrees yesterday and today to dropping down to the low 50s tomorrow and possibly Sunday as well. That's just a dramatic change for those that aren't used to it. And I know it it makes it a hectic situation for the caddies. And the caddies definitely have to be prepared for everything, just like you do here at Mobile to where you have to have all four seasons in your closet at any point in time because the weather can't change. Just imagine having to play golf in those elements that change that quickly and be able to do so at an elite level. That's what's going to make it interesting. But, Michael, we do have a winner for that one set of two Timber Creek golf passes.
2: Yeah, congratulations to Richard. We got another set that we'll be giving away probably sometime in the next hour, sometime in the 4 o'clock hour, I think. So keep it tuned in no worries there's still another pass to get keep listening keep it tuned. keep it tuned in keep calling you got another shot at it well
1: don't forget coming up at 4:15 we do have South Alabama's head football coach Kane Wamick scheduled to join us to talk about the Jaguars live competition that they had in their scrimmage today and i know there was a lot of energy and excitement and we'll talk to Kane Wamick as a week from tomorrow they will be preparing for their open scrimmage to the public in Hancock-Whitney Stadium. And again, coming off a historical or the most wins in South Alabama history and just having as many returning players as they do, it's fun to try to get a heads-up and a start and to get an early look at the 2023 south alabama football program as again it's littered with local players who are going to make great contributions and i think that's that's going to be key as well and of course at five o'clock the top of the hour we have evan dudley who will be talking about the uab blazers football spring game that they had yesterday coach dilfer talked to us a couple of weeks ago here on the Final Drive about implementing a family atmosphere and even having an Easter egg hunt for the kids that was involved at Protective Stadium. So we'll talk to Evan about the Mobile-Alabama connections that were made defensively in that game and look forward to talking to see how that game went for the Blazers as well. But again, Alabama concluding their eighth spring practice today nick saban was pleased and that's something that that must have meant there was a lot of effort and energy given by those players anytime nick saban says he's pleased with the performance michael of the alabama crimson tide coming out of a practice yeah
2: nick saban is pleased and especially this time of year i mean look look out rest of college football i guess uh you know i don't want to take too much out of a spring practice that i didn't see but if nick saban's pleased i'm pleased
1: yeah because i mean he could have easily critiqued it in a negative way and we'll give you that breakdown of what nick saban had to say about the tides eighth scrimmage and their first live scrimmage that they had today at bryant denny stadium you're listening to the final drive on this good friday here on wnsp 105.5
0: Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it.
1: The final drive on this Good Friday here in Mobile, Alabama. Michael Broner. Joining me, taking your telephone calls at 251-694-1055. And as we were going into the break, we were talking about, again, UAB completing their spring game on yesterday and getting ready to talk to Evan Dudley at 5 o'clock from AL.com about the Blazers finishing up already. And of course, Auburn has their big time spring game tomorrow. We talked to Antonio Coleman yesterday about what it meant to be an Auburn man and the excitement that's being generated around Hugh Freeze and whether or not, you know, the whether it be bad or not, you know, the the recruits are coming and they're going to have an opportunity to meet and greet the staff and you always love to have great weather so you can have a huge crowd for your A-Day games. But when you don't have that, you just have to have a backup plan in effect. And, of course, it's been cold and rainy on a couple of Alabama A-Day games. And Alabama's sure, A-Day was, game will be terrible. April 22nd. It
2: was terrible last
1: it, year. I mean, it, it's, it's been that way a couple of times to where it's, it's definitely worth watching on television, for sure, but
2: that means good omen this year. It's gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking it into existence. We're gonna have good weather at a day on what is it, twenty second this year? So we got two weeks or a little over two weeks for me to be right or wrong on that I'm, I'm speaking good weather into existence in tuscaloosa on a day i'm i'm sure people around here be uh be going up for that you know it's it's free it's a good time i i just i love a day i'm gonna go up there and pretend it's a game day and and tailgate a little bit and go in there and watch watch these quarterbacks and receivers go at it maybe hey. some freshmen as well
1: and next saturday south alabama According to Mobile, Alabama's weather right now, only a 19% chance of rain next Saturday for Kane Womack and the Jaguars. The high schedule to be 85 degrees. So it'll be plenty of warm for people to come out and get a chance to see the South Alabama Jaguars. But going back to Nick Saban and what he had to say today after practice, you, you don't hear Nick Saban really praise his team a lot as far as ah. – when after a practice
2: yeah I, I like you don't see him praise specific players
1: because I today I mean here here's Nick Saban's quote there was a lot of good things out there I thought the intensity was good there was a lot of good hitting and he said they tried to play physical and someone who's going to be physical for the Crimson Tide is safety Caleb Downs and I think that he's going to be a big factor in what Alabama decides to do defensively. And one of the sleepers has been Malachi Moore, moving him over to safety. You really haven't heard his name as he was relegated to the sidelines a lot last year. And you don't know whether
2: that was due to injury or performance, but I think it's probably a little bit of both as well as really more than anything the emergence of brian branch who right. you could argue was the best player on the defense last year especially towards the end of the season and caleb he's Downs, NFL player too I, I know i know
1: you're high on caleb downs and what he's going to bring to the alabama crimson tie
2: i am very 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 high on caleb downs i'm not the only one i mean it's uh, scott hunter said uh you know he's he's uh, all the indications are he's gonna he has starter written all over him as a freshman it's not an unusual thing for Nick Saban to to play start. I mean, Kool-Aid McKinstry was playing in the National Championship as a starter. Jaheim Otis was playing major time last year as a freshman on, on uh, the defensive line in the trenches. I mean, the kid is really good, and not to mention, he's been practicing with the team since bowl preparation last year. He was a really early enrollee, and he is that good. He, he's the sixth overall recruit coming in uh, from, I think it's Mill Creek, Georgia, I believe, and uh, he, he is legit man he's going to be a playmaker in this secondary
1: well one of the things that's interesting as well was when Nick Saban was asked about Hugh Freeze's suggestion about playing another in-state school for a spring game and coach Saban was quoted it didn't know anything about it of course coach Saban does not watch the news. All he does is watch the Weather Channel and eat Little Debbie's in regards to what's going on. Said he didn't know anything about it. I don't, I
2: don't really believe that.
1: He says we're I always interested. He knows, in,
2: he knows more than he ever lets on.
1: Well, well hey, hey, look, he, he's not going to give anyone any rat poison, but he did make a comment on it and say we're always interested in helping people any way that we can. If there's the purpose of what they're doing, that's certainly – A good thing. Now, being a good thing for who? That is yet to be determined because, again, the smaller schools, of course, it's great for the smaller schools. Does it benefit your bigger schools in state? That's a debate that a lot of people are having. And one of the reasons that Hugh Freeze even brought up the idea. But the fact that he said we're interested in helping people any way we can, I think, is great for Nick Saban to even consider and say, and I just don't ever think that that's going to happen at Alabama. I think it may happen because Hugh Freeze is the one who brought it up as a possibility for schools to have. And Kane Womack asked about it. I I just don't, don't say, I don't, I don't know if it'll ever happen,
0: Michael.
2: Yeah. I, well, we talked about this the other day and, in trying to figure out who it would benefit more. I I see how it could benefit Alabama lining up against Troy or South or UAB or whoever Uh, certainly works more to the benefit of the smaller school. I think I I just, I don't know. I I think that there's injury risk there is, uh, I mean, not that there's not injury risk in a spring game. Uh, It's essentially a practice, but, I, I just, I don't know. Is is that something you, you personally really want to see? I, I'm I'm kind of okay not seeing it. As as long as, maybe if it was an addition to the, but like I said earlier in the week, I like A-Day how it is. I, I'm excited for A-Day this year to see Jalen Millereau and Ty Simpson face off, to see these freshman quarterbacks go at it and see a lot of the, the freshman class that's coming in. I, I just, I think A-Day is special in that it gives... It, one, it's it's free and, you know, you go and you, you, you kind of sit wherever you want and that's all, all well and good. It's an opportunity to be in Bryant-Denny uh, in a low-pressure environment, I guess. But two, it's like for the, the really big, you know, scouting perspective fans, you got to look at the whole team uh, going up against each other. And, and you know, you got to take it with a grain of salt because... Again, what did I say earlier this week? A J Hall had like a historic performance at A Day. It, it doesn't mean a whole lot if you have a huge performance at A Day, but it's it's still fun. I I like it. I like watching, you know, uh, red go against white, and it's I don't know. I, you know, I like A Day the way it is.
1: I, I think, like I said, in Alabama, I don't think you'll ever see them play another in-state school for a spring game or even a closed practice for that matter. And one of the the players that we won't be able to see in the 8A game is Deontay Lawson mm. from Mobile Christian still out the entire spring with an injury. But I think that Deontay Lawson has the opportunity to be that alpha
2: dog for the defense and the Crimson Tide this year. Hurts missing spring. You hate to see that. You wonder if a guy like a, like a Kendrick Blackshire uh, from a couple of recruiting classes ago step up. I don't know. Henry Toto coming in kind of really – Obviously, taking one of those off-ball linebacker spots the last couple of years uh, really pushed those guys down the depth chart. And yeah, I don't know. Toto was was okay. I, I think he probably you could say fell short of expectations when he transferred from Tennessee. I I, I don't want to go so far as to say Toto was a disappointment at Alabama, but I I think he probably wasn't what Alabama expected him to be. Well, there's a reason that
1: he went ahead and chose Tennessee over Alabama to begin with but with that being his second choice I think Alabama opened him with open arms in the portal and that was from a defensive side of the ball now from Alabama's offensive side of the ball regardless of who's throwing to him you definitely want to see great production from Jermaine Burton as well as Isaiah Bond who I think has the potential to be a super duper explosive receiver and Jacory Brooks has made clutch uh catch after clutch catch since he's been a freshman at Alabama and had that drive with Bryce Young in the historic Iron Bowl in Auburn a couple of years ago.
2: It's not, I'm just going to say it. I love this receiving group. I love it. I love it so much and it's like a lot of it is the same as the receiver group we complained about a lot last year. I think Burden emerged down the stretch at the end of the year, had a phenomenal bowl game, obviously. So did Brooks. I mean, Brooks was the best receiver on the team last year, but Malik Benson is a guy that Saban went out of his way to praise today. Uh, The Juco transfer, I think he's going to be a really good player. I love Isaiah Bond. I love Kobe Prentice. I love Kendrick Law. They have three kind of small, speedy guys who do a little bit of the same thing. I think that's why you saw Jojo Earl and uh, Christian Leary as well depart for the transfer portal, but I really, really like this receiving core, and I think with another year in the system, yeah, it'd be nice if they had Bryce Young throwing to him still. And that's just not going to be the case. But I think they're going to do good. I think this receiving group is going to go a long way to help whoever the quarterback is this year. I- I'm very, very excited about this group of pass catchers.
1: Well, the thing is, regardless of who's throwing to them as the starting quarterback for Alabama, when your number is called, you have to make those plays. And I think what Alabama is going to have to do is be able on the play action to stretch the field and to be able to stretch the field, have those explosive plays that Nick Saban talks about time after time after time either getting of them last year exactly and and it's either you're getting beat on explosive plays a year ago or not making and can, enough explosive we plays we can have this
2: conversation and i don't know we got kane wama coming up so we can have this conversation in another open segment but i'm curious your thoughts on whether or not um, the offense – cuz i think in the arkansas game that Bryce Young got ended up getting hurt in last season do you think that I really felt like that was the game the offense was starting to click almost. Like, in that first quarter and a half, it's almost like they're carving up that Arkansas pass defense, and and Bryce is hitting I think he hit a long ball to Bond to put him right down at the two-yard line. I think Brooks dropped dropped the deep ball that uh, Bryce rolled out on. Felt like that passing game was really starting to click, and then, obviously, you lose three weeks of, of uh, good practice reps because Bryce was definitely on a pitch count after after practice at this point. I think that really stunted the potential of what last year's offense could have been.
1: Well, you, you saw them go ahead, like you said, carve up the hogs early and then kind of not really get that type of offensive momentum sustained for the rest of the year with conference games that is but yeah we'll we'll definitely talk about that again in one of our open segments is coming up next here on the final drive we have the head coach for the South Alabama Jaguars Kane Wamick they just finished up a live scrimmage this morning we'll talk with coach Wamick next here on the final
0: drive <laughs> My name is Ronald Brazil. I'm from the class of 2018 Pro Football Hall of Fame. You're listening to WNSP.
1: The final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Michael Bronner, along with myself and... Our guest joining us on the final drive is South Alabama's head football coach, Kane Womack, who was witnessing South Alabama's second live scrimmage this morning. Coach, good afternoon and welcome to the final drive. Awesome.
5: Glad to be on with you guys.
1: Coach, I tell you, when you start looking at football games that are played in the fall, coaches normally say the biggest improvement is from game one to game two. Now, this was the second live scrimmage that you all had at Hancock Whitney Stadium. Is that what you saw in this morning scrimmage as well? A greater improvement, whether it be offensively or defensively?
5: Well I think um you know one of the things that we've stressed this spring is to play with a little bit more of a uh, a swagger and an energy um and, uh, and, and I think we saw that today uh, it was really encouraging it was a very intense uh, scrimmage and uh, certainly the, the guys uh, got after each other on both sides of the ball there was a lot of you know a little bit a little bit more swagger a little bit more energy um, and, I, and I thought that was really uh, an improvement from week one to week two uh, in terms of scrimmage but overall I mean our guys are executing uh, pretty consistently we've got a number of playmakers that we can get the ball on and off um, were, we're <coughs> excuse me, some of the younger players on defense. Uh, that are getting a chance to play because we have a number of guys, uh, including starters out on defense, are, are making less and less mistakes, getting things corrected from one week to another. So it's really encouraging. I feel like we're moving in the right direction. Coach, the
1: swagger and the energy is evident because throughout the entire scrimmage, from the PA announcer's booth, you can hear the music blaring and it really keeps the guys loose, keeps the coaches loose, keeps them focused as well. It's something about having that That juice flowing when you hear your favorite song come on or you know the lyrics to a song and you make that big hit and you can give get up and and let your teammates know that, that that lick and that swagger is definitely involved. Is that one of the things that you love having the music for the players in the background is as scrimmages are taking
5: place? Yeah, you know, I think I think those things are 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 great to have. Just because on game day, you're always going to have some kind of background noise, and and uh, and and I think. Uh, those things have been there all along more. What I'm pointing towards is our players are creating an energy on the sideline. You know, we talk about the sideline being a living, breathing organism, and that's where I'm seeing our, our, our players, regardless of outside noises are doing a really good job of creating an, an atmosphere and an energy um, and, and a swagger that we can feed off of. Right. You know, this is a momentum game at times and you can tell when, one team has a momentum versus another team, and, and the goal is to f- find ways to constantly capture um, the momentum in a game, and I think our players are starting to do that on the sideline, which is really great um, You know, uh, on, on, to see in a scrimmage because that is a simulation of game day.
2: Coach, last time we had you on, we we talked a little bit about expectations headed into the season and and how uh you know, that's what you want, you know, managing those expectations for you as a coach, wh- how do you approach the spring and how do you how are you looking to see improvement on a day-by-day basis? How is that something you kind of judge on a day-to-day basis?
5: Um well, I I think um I think when you when you look at uh the overall expectation is is we we don't we don't have a uh, a necessary uh, necessarily a goal in mind you know we uh, when everybody puts their head on a pillow at night um you know everybody thinks about winning championships and going to bowl games so those are things that I think everybody just naturally aspires towards right but we're never going to put those things in front of the room and put them up on a poster and say these are our goals we did have um, tangible spring goals. And one of those spring goals was to, to operate with, with more swagger and energy across across the board. Another one was to handle tempo defensively and utilize tempo a little bit offensively. Um, you know, uh, how, how we're operating um, uh, overall, there's a number of things that, that we pointed towards that we wanted to see steps in the right direction uh, in all three phases, offense, defense, and special teams. And so I think we're meeting those uh markers um, and if we'll meet those markers then you know those those overall expectations of being a championship program and, and a team that can be in a bowl game every single year I think those things will be met.
1: The great thing for you is you have so many returning players and any key position is definitely going to be the quarterback position. Carter Bradley is very explosive. He's shown that by his performances. Came out early and hit Colin Lacey on the money and caught him in stride and that's the type of play that you love to see from your quarterback position and then when you have an opportunity in your first scrimmage to get Gio Lopez some reps and then again to day to get trotter back into the swing of things i think anytime you're able to create depth at the quarterback and running back positions i think that that makes your head sleep a little bit better on that pillow at nighttime coach
5: yeah i think uh you know uh, we were looking at this at, at some point it's been it's been a number of years uh since we've had a returning starter uh, at the quarterback position in, in South Alabama's football program, and so you know, when you have those things, um, and 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 really in my mind, you have two returning starters because Desmond has been a starter here before, and has been an experienced backup for the last two years, who has gotten to go in significant moments and play. Uh, we're we're probably in as good a position as you could be in uh, with, with with our first two quarterbacks, and then you add, you know, a young talented freshman and Gio Lopez that can do some things to extend plays with his feet uh, downfield and, and excited to see his growth um, over the rest of the spring and then into fall camp. Uh, and then, you know, you touched on the running back position. Obviously, having the returning starter in LaDamian Webb, um, Braylon McReynolds had a breakout freshman year. We have really uh, challenged him to operate at a high level and more consistency in his practice habits. I think uh, he has done that uh, to, to uh, a degree as, as good as as we could hope um, uh, he, he is really taking his game to a next level in terms of his preparation. Um, and, and I think, you know, those sophomore slumps that you see from people, I think it's a lack of preparation and, and certainly he's done a great job with that. And then, you know, you've got Marco Lee coming back who's lost 10 pounds from a year ago. And, and then a guy like Kentrell Bullock, who is an old Miss transfers, uh, you know, has, has been phenomenal so far in, in spring
2: talking to Kane Womack head coach of the South Alabama Jaguars coach when it comes to replacing a player like Daryl Luter I mean he's a guy who you can really rely on to just take away half the field Is that process kind of an overhauling of the entire secondary as a whole or is it kind of just the next man up type of deal
5: well, I, you know, I, what you can't replace is Luter's experience, right? Um, you know, candidly, we have a group of guys. We're a very talented corner room. I mean, we've got length, we've got athleticism, speed, and probably we have three guys um, right now uh, that that, that – you know, kind of match uh, Luter's um, size, his his athleticism, all those things. Uh, and and what what we have to have, though, is, is building the consistency that Luter played with. The reason why uh, Luter was such a great player uh, was, you know, he was so consistent in his day to day operation and he would do the same high level job over and over again. You know, there's often times where corners, you can judge what they do in five or six plays overall in the game, right? Because the rest of those plays are not even being challenged. And on those five or six plays that that Luter was challenged, he operated at a high level. And so those are the things that we're trying to get out of of some of these younger uh, talented uh, corners. And I think we're moving in that direction, but again, the experience is the thing that we're losing um, with that single uh, player. And so I I would imagine there'll be a little bit more committee-oriented rotation than what we had a year ago.
1: Well, on the deep defensive side of the football, I know you just, I mean, that's where you make your hey, coach, and you mentioned about the juice and the swagger and the intensity, and one thing that I see from the press box each and every game, home and away, is the fact that turnovers, the beads that go flying at the home games, and it, it's... Contagious. I mean, enthusiasm is contagious. Swagger is contagious when you see your defense make a big defensive interception or have a strip sack, and that gives offense the energy coming onto the field, and vice versa. I mean, when you score that big yeah. long touchdown, Carter Bradley throws it, the defense and special teams know it's their turn to keep that juicing energy going, keep Gallman. Returning defensively for you brings a lot of defensive intensity back to your program also.
5: Yeah, you know, uh, takeaways always create momentum for your team. And, and, and specifically, we call them takeaways on defense. You know, uh, 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 turnover implies that the ball was given to you. Takeaway implies that, uh, that you, you truly took the ball away from the offense. And so those are the, the language that we try to use in, in our building from a defensive perspective. And, you know, you referenced um, having guys um, buy into what you're doing uh, from a takeaway and, and, and understanding how important creating takeaways um, is, is a huge piece to what you do defensively. And so we do. We have the, you know, takeaway beads and, um, you know, we, we throw beads out when we create a takeaway on defense uh, to, to out to the fans and, you know, something that our guys love and appreciate and enjoy. And I think those are fun things to be able to do that also kind of uh, fit uh, and and honor our city um, and, and our Mardi Gras, you know, uh uh, traditions and so those are things that are really fun but i think creating those explosive plays on both sides of the ball um are are a huge piece to uh you you look back and, and and a high level of execution in terms of winning and losing comes off of creating explosives on offense and then creating negatives and takeaways on defense
1: Well, I know the fans will continue to be excited about the fact that you'll have your red and white scrimmage set for 1030 a.m., next Saturday at Hancock Whitney stadium. And it's always a treat for the fans to have an opportunity to get to meet the 2023 Jaguars. You all do a tremendous job of outreach to the communities, whether it be our elementary schools, our middle schools and continue to speak to our high schoolers as well. But I just want to commend you on making it part of a family atmosphere from the little ones, whether it's the flag football and the volunteers that your players give during the flag football sessions that are given by the Reese's Senior Bowl or whether it's just speaking and giving words of encouragement to those elementary and middle schoolers. Coach, hats off to you, your staff, and your players and the excitement that's coming 1030 next Saturday at Hancock-Whitney Stadium.
5: Well, thanks. I appreciate that. We're, we're, we certainly, um, you know, believe in connecting to this city and and the ways that that we're going to do that on and off the field. Um, you know, we're starting to see this community truly rally around our football team. And it's very exciting. Uh, but, but an opportunity in the springtime to come, uh, to come see, uh, the work that's been done. Some of these returning, uh, starters that, that, uh, that are heading into the 2023 season. And then you add some of these younger talented players that have, that are getting an opportunity, uh, to go. It, it uh, we've taken some great strides and I think our fans will be excited to see that, uh, along with some fun competitions mixed in. I think we've got a, uh, Uh, quarterback accuracy competition, uh, 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 throwing and catching skills challenge, and then, you know, everybody enjoys watching a big man catch a punt. So we'll do some of those things, mixed into a really intense scrimmage uh, that I think our fans will get to enjoy.
1: Well, i tell you, next Saturday, 1030, you'll be able to see the red and white scrimmage and head coach Kane Womack. You'll be able to see a lot of that juice and swagger that the players will be exemplifying on the sidelines and on the field, and trust me, it's a fun spectacle to watch, and we're supposed to have outstanding weather as well. Let me knock on wood before I jinx, jinx the whole thing, coach, but at the same time, Thank you for taking time to talk with us here on the final drive. And again, Jay's up, and it's always great to support South Alabama football and to speak with you here on the final drive.
5: Awesome. Really enjoyed it. Jay's up and LEO.
1: Coach Kane Womack joining us this afternoon here on the final drive. And again, if you're a South Alabama fan or just love football, I encourage you to go out to Hancock Whitney Stadium. Next Saturday, 10.30 a.m., you'll get a chance to see the swag that Coach is talking about and, again, just see the excitement that's coming into this 2023 season as South Alabama gets ready to face Tulane at Hancock-Whitney Stadium. You're listening to The Final Drive here on WNSP 105.5. Hey, this is Jimmy Riffle from the Gator Boys, and you're listening to WNSP on 105.5. The final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey Bounty and Michael Brauner taking your telephone calls at 251-694-1055. I want to thank South Alabama's head football coach, Kane Womack, for joining us, and again, the Jaguars on the road against Tulane, hosting Southeastern Louisiana. I do believe in their first home game officially, so wanna make sure I got that correct, but the Tulane Green Wave are gonna be the ones who hopefully will get a chance to see all that Jag swag and playing with a lot of energy come September. Well, we talked about it yesterday, as far as from an Alabama basketball standpoint, and Nate Oates and what he was going to be facing, losing two head coaches, and now getting ready to lose a third officially, Antoine Petway again, going to Kennesaw State. And I've been around basketball my entire life and been a fan and been a coach, but I can never recall, collegiately, outside of a coach being fired and a brand new coach bringing in a whole new staff with him, that a retained coach has lost three assistant coaches in one fell swoop. And that's exactly what's happening to Nate Oates and the Alabama Crimson Tide basketball team. All three assistant coaches are now gone. So, to take other head coaching jobs. But that just means that Nate Oates has been successful and is doing things the right way because Nick Saban always has a lot of turnover on his coaching staff as well, Michael. But to lose all three at this point in time, it's going to have to be – now it's really going to be a rushed hire by Nate Oates because you have to have enough to where you can continue to recruit because at the end of the day – you you can say as a player, yes, I'm coming to Alabama to play for Nate Oates to play for Nate Oates, and he's the head coach. But your assistants are the ones who really get behind the scenes and make things happen from a recruiting standpoint. And yeah, that'll do it to you. That'll definitely that'll frustrate you if you're an Ugh. Alabama
2: fan. That'll
1: frustrate you for sure,
2: man. And I mean, when when Petway was interviewing for Kennesaw what was it yesterday or two days ago i mean i i think we both agreed he was going to be offered the job i don't know why he wouldn't be now came out about 15 minutes ago while we were talking to coach womack that he is indeed going to accept the job three assistants gone brian hodgson charlie henry and Antoine petway and yeah i i I don't want to it's hard. It's hard not to sound the alarm here. As, as for what the team can be next year, uh, this is not, again, we, you know, you can compare it to Nick Saban having to replace his staff almost annually, but it's not the same thing. This is not something that just happens in basketball when you have a good season. Uh, maybe like once in a while, an assistant gets plucked, like I brought up uh, Jerome Tang and Baylor for Kansas State the other day. You know, it it happens when you're successful. Maybe your top assistant gets plucked and you have to replace him. But three in one year and already losing a lot of talent. I, I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news here, but Alabama basketball is going to take a big step back next year. And a step back to the point where at this point on April 7th, I'd be happy to make the tournament. If you told me right now Alabama basketball is going to make the tournament and lose in the first round, I'd be pretty happy with that. Things are bad right now. Uh, they're getting kind of killed in the transfer portal by you know the Arkansas of the world. Who Arkansas, by the way, if you saw this today, they've contacted eighty-four guys in the portal. Eighty-four. Well, you can do that when you have assistant coaches. <laughs> no, but 84? Uh, they landed Keon Menfield over Alabama. We'll see if, uh, I think Auburn is going to land Denver Jones over Alabama. Alabama has Kalel Ware visiting from Oregon tomorrow, who would be kind of like an ideal Noah Clowney replacement, but... I mean, he's going to show up for the visit tomorrow. You know, he's going to be greeted by Nate Oates and no one else. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be such a. Uh, I'm sure he. I think he's visiting Indiana today and going to Alabama from Indiana. You know, he's going to have this whole staff at Indiana. You know, catering to his uh, to uh, answering every question, and then he's going to get on a plane to Tuscaloosa and get to Coleman Coliseum and it's just going to be Nate Oates talking to him which you know i guess could not be the worst thing but it it's going to be weird it, it's going to be very strange I, I mean how does Nate o- how does Nate Oates even have time for this I, what, it's just it's bad i i don't even know what to say at this point i i maybe someone gets promoted from within at this point as, as for one of the assistant spots no one has been hired to replace the other two and now you find out you're going to have to replace a third you're already kind of getting killed in the transfer portal. You're kind of recruiting slash not really recruiting Quinterly and Bidiaco to come back. I just I I don't know how at this point right now you put together a staff and a team that's gonna be competitive. They'll be competitive, but a team that has a chance to win an SEC next season that's that's why be you just have to savor. You,
1: you have to savor if 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 you're an Alabama fan this past season as much drama that went on with the last January until Alabama lost to San Diego State, cutting down those nets in the regular season after defeating the Auburn Tigers and then turning around and cutting down those nets after beating Texas A&M in the SEC championship, That that's why you have to say it was special. And that's why you just have to, you, you can't take anything for granted in regards to, well, we'll be back here again next year. Because the transfer portal and now coaches taking better jobs, when you have that success, petway has been a part of Alabama's program for the last 23 years, from a player to director of basketball operations to an assistant coach
2: to being the key recruiter. See him doing the pregame speeches and stuff like that. And if you want to think that stuff doesn't matter, it does. Absolutely, it, absolutely it matters. matters. Absolutely, it matters. That's why
1: I say you can't take it for granted. And I think that's what made Alabama's loss to San Diego State sting so much more. because That was the worst part. Y- you and see now it's get- the potential. It's
2: getting worse now. Like, the loss to San Diego State as we move every day in April – is getting worse and worse and hey if Alabama had made the final four even if they had lost the FAU so, you know and then the entire staff was plucked I'd be sitting here like okay we'll we'll be bad next year it is what it is uh but
1: to, to, to have the short <laughs> expectations to come up
2: short from a fan
1: standpoint of again overall number one seed in the NCAA tournament never been done in Alabama basketball history and to sit there and know that if you're an Alabama fan, that the Auburn Tigers men's basketball program is the only final four team that has existed in this state. They're going to be a lot better than
2: Alabama next year too. And
1: and, and that's one right of now. the things that don't think for one minute, Auburn doesn't remember. Okay. Two years ago when they were doing the crane kick mm. and they were one of the most dominant programs in the regular season in the SEC that Bruce Pearl is not going to have that same type of intensity coming back this year. Joke! And and I don't think that that will be a case for Auburn basketball next year for sure. Because by Auburn's basketball standards, this was a down year. And they made it to the second second round of the NCAA
2: tournament. Certainly by what their standards have been since the arrival of Bruce Pearl. Yeah, they were... Hey, Auburn was I, – I, it's hard to put a word on Auburn's season this year because I, I wouldn't say they were bad. I mean, they made the NCAA tournament. They won a game. They just couldn't finish. They, they, that, they were, they were a good team that couldn't finish games. I think it was Blackerby every week that, that said that. And, you know, there were a lot of games that could have, should have, would have won Alabama at the end of the season and Coleman Coliseum being one of them. Uh, but, yeah, they, uh, they are set up to be a lot better than Alabama next season. Again, it's it's early. There's, there's time, but well, I, I things tell are not you, good in Tuscaloosa right now.
1: No, I, and, and again, no one's ready to wave the white flag, but it's just unprecedented with a retained coach to lose all three assistants. You may lose two assistants, but to lose that third and for that third to continue to be an Alabama legend, That's what makes it sting even more for all Alabama basketball fans. Now, that portal, it's definitely jumping because you look at Caleb Love. He announced his commitment to Michigan, and that goes along with Damari Burnett. And Burnett was a member of the Alabama basketball program that we just finished talking about. So now he's got a North Carolina point guard. Caleb Love, who averaged 16 points per game for
2: Hubert Davis. I mean, it's like if you're a, not to go back, but if you're a recruit or not or a, or a portal kid right now, it's like why why would you choose to transfer to Alabama? Assuming you only have a year or two of el- eligibility left, and I, and I hate to be that pessimistic about it, but looking at what's there right now and and looking at the staff or lack thereof. It's like why? Why would you choose Alabama over Arkansas or Auburn right now? It, it, you you wouldn't. You just it doesn't make sense to. I, I will say
1: this, and Musselman Ugh. at Arkansas is really one of those guys that continues to recruit very well. And I don't think that that team met the expectations. And and whether you want to call do the injuries uh, at the beginning of the season, they but with it together, whether they at the have end. coming back exactly with what they have coming back. They're known for making that elite eight run. And again, my interest level is very high in the Razorbacks because of Barry Dunning Jr. And what he is capable of bringing a basketball program. But Jawan Howard at Michigan gets his third big-time transfer. Of course, Namari Burnett from Alabama, Trey Jackson from Seton Hall. And now when you add Caleb Love to the mix, sometimes – It's addition by subtraction on your roster because Jawan Howard has lost three players as well. But Hunter Dickinson, and yeah, you you can't have addition by subtraction in regards to your assistant coaches. Now, if one domino falls, okay, but all three dominoes cannot fall for you to continue to sustain recruiting. And I'm not saying who Nate Oates brings in I, won't be great additions, yeah. and he's already
2: had contact with. Being but an NBA guy at this point, I, I, I don't know. But I, mean, I I just, at this point, I, I don't even really know. I don't see how you land a player like Kalel Ware from Oregon coming off a visit to Indiana with, with no staff in place whatsoever. I, I, I'm not going to blame Kalel Ware one bit if, if he chooses to go to school somewhere else. I, I just, I, like I said, I, I don't see why right now you would, cho- I'll be happy to prove wrong, I, I just don't see why you would choose Alabama right now. But we're
1: talking about this again because Antoine Petway will be the next head coach at Kennesaw State. And you mentioned losing two other coaches to Georgia Southern and Arkansas State. So now you're minus three coaches plus what you've lost in the players' testing the NBA waters and those who have already hit the transfer portal as well the final drive here on WNSP 105.5 coming right back at you
4: hi this is Monty Burke author of Sabin the making of a coach you're listening to WNSP sports radio 105.5 FM The final
1: drive here on Good Friday. Michael Bronner, along with Corey LeBounty. The Masters has been suspended at this point in time. And, of course, there was a huge or multiple trees falling near patrons, luckily not on patrons, at the 17th tee box. And I think that that's something that, again, lets you know what's going on and those roots are only going to get wetter here as the rain has suspended play and brooks kepka you mentioned earlier michael brauner he was lucky enough to go ahead and finish up but those who have not only made it through eight holes before it was suspended and of course darkness will be coming here in about three hours so nothing will be able to to be done in saturday tomorrow's you you may be able to finish up the rounds for yeah. today. Hopefully. But that'll put you an entire day behind. And, again, we mentioned the last time that the Masters was played on Monday was in 1983. So that's a huge event to look into. But they knew going in, when they predicted the forecast the last couple of days going into it, they said inclement weather may force the Masters on the finishing on Monday. So I, I just – It's something that you'll take a a look at. Will it interrupt the golfer's process of of being able to go ahead and want to get things done today? But the projected cut being two over and Tiger Woods still sitting right there even after 11 holes of golf for Tiger Woods. So we'll see what happens tomorrow in the Masters. His play has been suspended. And not sure if it'll be resumed today or not. We'll continue to keep an eye on that as the show comes to an end here within the next hour. The final drive on WNSP 1055. Michael Brauner joining me this afternoon, as always. Evan Dudley covers the UAB Blazers, he's AL.com's beat writer. We had some local Mobile, Alabama flavor to make some noise yesterday in UAB spring football game. We'll get all those details next here on The Final Drive. The final drive here on WNSP 105.5, Corey Labonte, along with Michael Bronner, taking your telephone calls and, of course, responding to you in the app, and Evan Dudley making his debut here on the final drive. Evan Dudley is a UAB beat writer for AL.com, and, of course, Trent Dilfer and the UAB Blazers concluded their spring yesterday at Protective Stadium, and... Again, a little bit of Mobile, Alabama flavor in that spring game as Carl Troy Jr. from Spanish Fort along with A.D. Diamond from Blunt High School by way of Auburn had two interceptions on the evening. And Evan Dudley, I just wanted to bring you in, welcome you to the final drive, and talk to us about what's going on with Trent Dilfer and his program.
3: Uh, thanks for having me, Corey. Uh appreciate the time. Uh, you know, yesterday uh, was their spring game, obviously. Uh, it wasn't the end of the spring practice. They will have uh, four more practices next week. Uh, this is kind of an intentional uh, part on Dilfer's uh, uh, part just to uh, kind of give an extra few days to kind of evaluate themselves after the spring game, which is, I think is a pretty good idea for a first-year coaching staff. But, uh, you know, it, it, it's something they kind of build. You know, there was some good, there was some bad. But I think overall, uh, you know, we've seen what Trent Dilfer's been able to do with this uh with this team that he's uh, had and as well brought in on the recruiting trail. And, you know, it's a it's a very different uh, field than what it has been, but I think it's one that's going to, you know, lead to a very positive momentum for the program.
1: Well, the positive momentum that he's created is one that, you know, you have a clean slate with a brand-new head coach, and I know Bill Clark continued to lay his legacy for the UAB program. And I believe that, you know, Bill Clark, Left the program in outstanding hands here twice. And there's no roster rebuild for Coach Dilfer. And it starts defensively. Fantroy Jr., again, the young man from Spanish Fort, coming off a torn knee ligament in his senior season for Spanish Fort. And A.D. Diamond hits the transfer portal coming from Auburn. And both of those guys have two interceptions.
3: I think that really kind of tells the story of what Dilfer is able to do with this program. Uh, you know, Fontroy he signed with UAB uh, last year out of a uh, Spanish sport, uh, but you know he spent the you know his first season rehabbing that injury. But he was there on the sidelines, uh, you know, every day in practice when I was there. Uh, you know, he was you know rooting on his teammates, so he was very much part of the program. But then you also have Ad Diamond who comes in from the transfer portal, so you kind of see of what Dilfer has and what he's brought in and what they're able to do. And you know, Font. Troy and Diamond both are, you know, two guys who are expected to play a little bit more this year uh, coming in. And you can see what they've done, you know, bringing in two interceptions uh, on Troy. One of those were actually a, a 35-yard pick six, although it didn't count as far as their scoring uh, uh, ways of the, the way they went about their scoring in the spring game. But it does uh, say, you know, a lot about, you know, bringing in new guys as well as relying on the guys you have there.
2: Evan, talk about the excitement level from a fan base perspective that Trent Dilfer is bringing in.
3: Uh, I think it's it's just so much of a uh, kind of a new uh, new era of football for UAB. Obviously, Bill, uh, you know, really reinvented and brought a renaissance to the program after it had been one of the. Uh, uh, losing this, uh, you know, probably programs in that time period, uh, you know, in the 2000s, uh, but, you know, it's a program that was rebuilt from scratch with Bill Clark, especially after it was uh, 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 let go for about two years there, and then, you know, he does his retirement, uh, brought Benson carries him through this past year, but with Dilford coming in, I, it just adds, a, you know, a more, probably a a more modern offensive philosophy, but the defense will still be, be very much aggressive like it has been under Clark, but I think that's just what really excites people is that it'll be more of an offensive flavor than, uh, you know, just running the ball and, uh, and, uh, and throwing a couple of passes down the field during the game.
1: Well, one of the things that's been talked about this last week and all of the state of Alabama's football teams has been the smaller schools saying pretty pretty please, according to Trent Dilfer about having an opportunity to play in Auburn or in Alabama in the spring game and, and coach Dilfer is used to that high school mentality to where they will travel to play jamborees a series of teams or will have an opportunity to scrimmage someone else other than themselves I, I think that When you talk to Coach Dilfer about that, do you see that happening sometime in in college football here in the state of Alabama, not just with UAB, but Troy or South Alabama or any of the other programs?
3: I mean, it is a it is a good idea from uh, from the perspective that uh, Dilfer talked about, where you can kind of match up with teams that are perceived better than you, and uh, kind of see where your program lies at that point. But also, there's been some uh, you know other talk of you know, with the transfer portal reopens right after most of spring games, uh, you can have one of those uh, uh, scrimmages, and the team you play, uh, the the Power Five team or, or whoever you may play, may go and poach one of your players from the transfer portal after seeing them in a spring game so that's kind of the negative but the positive is you know being able to get a little bit more uh you know excitement around these spring games especially for smaller programs that you know maybe don't get a you know a stadium for even half a stadium for uh for their spring games but uh you know it's a it's a positive and negative and it's something that i think that uh you know you're really gonna see maybe happen uh you know after another three or four years but i don't think it's you know within the next season or two
1: Evan, throughout this entire spring for Coach Dilfer, has there been anyone that has really stuck out to you, whether it be offensively or defensively, that's going to be that impact player for Coach Dilfer in that first year? Because again, many coaches say, look, I'm not looking to establish a depth chart per se. I just want to go ahead and make sure we get in reps. And even though in those live reps, there still has to be players that are making plays within the scrimmages that make people say the wow factor
3: uh yeah and you're gonna have to First, look at Jacob Zeno, a former Baylor transfer. He was in the Elite Eleven QB camps, uh, which Trent Dofer led for many years. So he is uh, aware of what Zeno is capable of, and uh, we saw that yesterday. Uh, you know, he had the most reps of any quarterback uh, in the game. He's had the majority of them throughout spring. But you also look at the guys he's going to be getting that ball to, because Zeno will not be able to do it alone. And what we saw yesterday was a lot of running backs catching the ball out of the backfield, uh, you know, running between the tackles, uh, getting on the outside. And you're going to look at Jermaine Brown Jr. first off, uh, another Mobile area guy who uh, started his um, started his career as a you know as a, a scout team wide receiver before moving to running back so you know it's this, this a guy who's uh, you know been through the wars for them has been behind Spencer Brown and Dwayne McBride but is you know has over 2,000 total yards in his career so you know that's a guy you're going to look for first off uh, you know in that backfield but you also got Taven Curry uh, Demetrius Battle, some uh, some younger guys and some guys from the transfer pool come in as well as their receivers they have a whole horde of receivers that, uh, uh, that are coming in into the fall as well as a few this spring so you know that's, that's Upping the talent level in in those areas. So that's what you're really going to see is uh, uh, probably Jermaine Brown, Jacob Zeno, and probably a combination of Malachi, Holt Bennett, uh, Tejon Palmer in the receiver.
2: Talking to Evan Dudley, covers UAB for AL.com. Evan, obviously. UAB joining the AAC now, but I, is it almost with the success that the Conference USA had in basketball in March, is it almost like a missed opportunity in terms of just the brand of the Conference USA that, that's been promoted so much over the past month?
3: I don't think it's so much of a missed opportunity. Uh, all the teams that kind of made this uh, this narrative in basketball are all leaving to the American. So uh, what uh, you know positive you got from Conference USA basketball is moving directly to the American. Uh, now Conference USA may have been a bit underrated this year, as we saw uh, you know two teams in the NIT final, both North Texas and UAB, and then FAU in the Final Four of the NCAA tournament. Not to mention Charlotte winning the CBI. Uh, you you know, that obviously, uh, you know, creates a lot of momentum for that conference. But unfortunately, like I said, those guys are leaving to the American, which kind of leaves Converse, Conference USA in the dust a little bit. But it also improves uh, the American conference going forward since they are losing Houston, Cincinnati, UCF, uh, and on the football end, you do have UAB, a program that was rebuilt that has been to a uh, bowl game uh, five or six years straight, and as well as UTSA, who's won back-to-back Conference USA championships. So the American, I think, will. Continue to uh, uh, to elevate itself. Uh, while conference USA will continue to kind of be on the back burner uh, of, of conferences, especially with their TV deal, which is one of the worst in college
1: athletics. UAB basketball finishes the season 29-10, and 10. Andy Kennedy. Again, the UAB Blazer legend, of course, played for Gene Bartow and was at one time an assistant coach here at South Alabama. But talk about Jelly Walker and what he was able to mean to this UAB program and just the prolific score that he was. And, again, will he be one of those legends that will always be remembered for UAB basketball.
4: I think he uh,
3: undoubtedly will be. Uh, he's a guy that came in uh, the second year of Andy Kennedy's tenor, uh, tenure after Kennedy's first year. Uh, and he kind of really brought back uh, this kind of Barto standard that uh, Andy talks about, that winning culture. And, uh, you know, he brought a lot of exposure to the UAB program, you know, being one of the highest uh, uh, leading scorers in NCAA. I believe he finished fifth this season. Uh, so it's a guy who just brought a lot of excitement, along with a lot of guys else that brought in Eric Gaines, K.J. Buffin, Trey Jemison. And you know, these are guys who were very helpful to rebuild this program. Uh naturally it it kind of been uh mired in mediocrity for a number of years, but you know, Andy's got this program rolling again, he's Loses six guys. You know, obviously, Jelly Walker is one of them. And so he's going to have to hit the portal, uh, you know, pretty hard uh, this offseason, which is something we've seen the last few years he's very capable of doing. But I definitely believe Jelly Walker will be remembered as one of the greats of UAB basketball. And uh, I would not be surprised if uh, his jersey is retired at some point in the near future, as Aaron Johnson's was uh, only a couple years ago.
1: Well, Evan, we were talking in our last segment about Nate Oates and the state of basketball at the University of Alabama. I cannot recall – a head coach losing all three of his assistants, which basically leaves your director of basketball operations and your managers on staff as far as having continuity for those who sat on the bench. I, I, can't, I can't ever recall that really happening to a basketball program, especially one that was an overall number one seeded team. Now, that means that Alabama's had great success, and with success brings – promotions, but to happen at this point in time, I think it's going to be tough for Alabama basketball.
4: Uh, I absolutely agree.
3: Uh, I think the, the biggest loss to them is obviously Antoine Petway. He has been there uh, since I was in school there. Uh, you know, I was there for the Florida game when he uh, made that great layup at the at the end. So, you know, Antoine Petway has just been a part of that program for so long. And he's been one of their lead recruiters. I think he will be the one that's missed the most. Uh, but like you said, I think it is interesting that. A program, a number one overall seed, loses all three assists, and not just being the number one overall seed this year, but a team from Alabama, which historically uh you know we're more of a football state uh so it's very <laughs> yeah. much surprising that a team from alabama loses all three of its basketball assistants uh so it will be a uh, quite a challenge uh, for alabama going forward on that especially like i said antoine petway uh, you know he was just a huge part of that program and he's kind of been the glue uh you know throughout these uh you know the coaching changes uh uh between uh uh Grant and uh, Avery Johnson and and Nate Oates, you know, all these guys. So I think that's going to be the biggest loss for them,
1: really. I agree with you, Evan. Evan, I I want to thank you for taking time to join us here and making your debut on the final drive. And as the summer continues to wind up and as we get ready to start UAB's football schedule this season under their first-year head coach, Trent Dilfer, look forward to all of your coverage and staying in touch with you here on the final drive. And if people want to follow all your great coverage, on AL.com of the UAB Blazers, how can they do so?
3: uh They can go to AL.com slash UAB. Uh, they can also find me on Twitter at Dudley Durot AL, ROT as in W R I T E. Thank you so
1: much, Evan. Look forward to talking to you soon.
3: Thank you so much. Always a pleasure. Evan Dudley,
1: AL.com. He's a beat writer for the UAB Blazers, and again, Two interceptions apiece from two defensive backs from Mobile, Alabama. And he mentioned Jermaine Brown Jr. having a wonderful season for the Blazers last year. And A.D. Diamond coming out of the transfer portal at Auburn. And Fran Troy Having a quiet freshman season at UAB, but making difference makers or being different makers in UAB's spring game on yesterday. You love to see that. The final drive here on WNSP 105.5 continues right after this.
5: My name is Sherman Williams, former running back for the University of Alabama and the Dallas
4: Cowboys. And I wake up each morning listening to WNSP 105.5. The
1: Masters theme song means you have an opportunity to call Michael Bronner at 251-694-1055 to win one set of two Timber Creek golf passes. And again, one set of two Timber Creek golf passes. You can call Michael Bronner at 251-694-1055 to have an opportunity to win those golf passes courtesy of the final drive at WNSP here. And as we were in commercial break, of course, play being suspended at Augusta Brooks Kepka on top of the leaderboard, 12 under, 5 under today. And one of the benefits that he had of on the first day shooting late, he shot early today. And John Rahm, who is Michael Brawner's favorite to win it all, Did not have an opportunity to finish because play being suspended. But he was just starting to heat up, too. And that's one of those things that we talked about, about being in the zone as a basketball player or a football player or even a golfer. When you get into that rhythm, you don't want the game to end. You don't want the situation. You just want to keep going and keep playing and try to get in as many holes as possible. And we'll see if he's able to bounce back. But it'll be done so on Saturday, tomorrow, w- with weather coming in inclemently, a lot of
2: rain expected to hit Augusta's golf course. And I mean, Ballingy said it earlier. So, like, if you're Kepka, there's a chance you might not play at all tomorrow. All right, so, if the Roms of the world probably tee off at like seven or eight a.m., and so so you can guarantee finish off what was left from Friday, but you know, your Kepka's and even your Sam Bennett's of the world, who is an amateur who's sitting at eight under. Heck, he's probably not going to play at all tomorrow. But here's the
1: thing, too, about not even playing tomorrow. If the winds are strong enough to knock over two huge pine trees, Mm. what kind of factor, and I know when storms roll in, they can roll out, but with the winds definitely becoming a factor, if they're able to play golf tomorrow, And even on Sunday, that's going to be the temperature being a 30 degree difference for the golfers, along with the strong winds that could be coming in. That's
2: kind of that's tough when you're trying to get into a golf groove. Yeah, the wind is. uh probably the biggest factor for the rest of the weekend now if, if it can t- i mean like you said if it's strong enough to blow down a tree it's certainly strong enough to uh affect the flight of a golf ball
1: and i mean we're not talking about one of these small trees no, i they mean were, mobiles they known trees. for its pine huge pine trees you 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 go home and you watch the news and you have an opportunity to see how these things were uprooted it, I mean, it's just from the from the roots on down, and we know as the ground continues to get saturated. You just thank God that no one was injured with two falling pine trees on the 17th tee box. Yeah, if you check out Augusta. Ryan
2: Ballengee's Twitter, actually, he has a really good video of it up, and I, I mean, it's pretty astounding that no one was injured. As as a matter of fact, I mean, whew, I mean, that could have been a really bad situation.
1: Well, I, I tell you, you know what
2: is a good situation
1: for golf is the fact that whether you're a live guy or a PGA guy, you still have the greatest golfers come into one of the greatest courses in the entire world, battling it out and it really not being an issue because whether you play limited holes in live golf or whether you continue to play entire rounds of regular golf, you still have the greatest golfers competing for that green jacket, and not really mentioning their affiliations.
2: Yeah, Phil didn't. Uh, I was Ricchetti told us the other day that Phil Phil didn't even say a word at the Champions Dinner, uh, so you know didn't didn't stir anything up there. I, I think there's just a great respect in the world of golf with the Masters and Augusta National that no one wants to try to make themselves or live or the the issues between pga tour and live bigger than the tournament and bigger than this week no one wants whether you're a live guy or a pga guy no one wants that narrative to take over the week because the masters is the masters and i think there's just such a great respect for that event and this course that everyone's just kind of behaving as as, as they should be so uh but here we are uh, almost two days into it, and a live guys winning by three shots. So,
1: well, when when you look at it, Michael, it's one of those situations to where if you say anything negative about either or, it's not a win situation. And it's kind of like when you're in the holy grail, you're you're not gonna not cuss in church, yeah. So to speak, it's the same thing. It's the same exact thing in, in, in re- regards to respect for the game when you're at some a place to where. All of America, all of the world is watching. You don't have anything nice to say. Don't say it at all because you can't take back those words if you do have anything negative to say. Now, if you can have those little bubble clouds of thoughts above Phil Mickelson's head about what he was probably thinking at the champions dinner or what he wanted to say to certain people and not able to say that's a horse of a different color. But he was smart enough to keep his mouth shut.
2: Like I said, especially, I think, for guys who have won it and know what that green jacket means, and Phil Mickelson's a three-time champion and is obviously one of the best players to ever play the game, I think Phil, uh, for as much as he's maybe had foot-and-mouth comments throughout this entire situation, I think he knows that this, this, this is bigger than Phil Mickelson. This is bigger than the issues that... You know the the Saudis versus the PGA, whatever whatever narrative you want to throw out there. This is Masters Week. We're at Augusta National, and uh, they're they're just bigger fish to fry. than I mean, I think all these guys are just willing to set things aside for a week and play some really good golf. And Phil, to his credit, specifically. The guy's top ten in the Masters right now. He hasn't been relevant his golf in a really long time. Let his
1: golf do the talking for him, and that's what—that's why he didn't have to say anything. I mean, now the fact that he said nothing at the Champions Dinner, yeah, like n- not a single word, and now he's on the top ten on the
2: leaderboard with two and a half days remaining. Yeah, to he, play' Phil finished today, which is which is good. Uh, so he he shot three under today, but look at like Patrick Reed, he's three under today with uh he he only got through fourteen holes today. Patrick Reed, that's another Live guy who's also a former Masters champion. So I, I I wonder, and he uh has a reputation for being pretty disliked among the again this is before any Live stuff. So it's like when Patrick Reed went to went to Live, it's like oh. Well that sounds about right because Patrick Reed has kind of been a, a disliked guy among among tour people, I think for a long time. and so you know he's, he's been a villain in golf for for a while now. and so the fact that live version of Patrick Reed is coming and now he's four under top 10 in the Masters as a live guy it's just uh, it's, it's perfect drama. You couldn't write a better story. No, you really can't and you couldn't
1: as the drama will have to wait to unfold as play has been suspended for the day at Augusta and when we come back we'll talk more about who do we think will continue to finish strong up the leaderboard will there be any golf being played at all tomorrow we're not the weather gods but when you can look at a radar and see what's coming it's obvious to see that it's going to be hard to play golf tomorrow in Augusta and we talked about the transfer portal being real active the coaching portal being real active we'll talk about whether you decide to go to the white house or not either after winning national championships on the other side of this break here on the final drive Hi, I'm former Major League Baseball player Bernie Carbo. I listen to WNSP 105.5. Love every
3: minute of it.
1: Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5 on this good Friday. Hope everyone has a wonderful Easter weekend in front of them. And you had the Masters delayed today a couple of times before it was officially suspended. And what's not suspended is the fact that when you win a national championship, you earn the right to be invited to the White House. And this past week, Angel Reese, Bayou Barbie, said that because Dr. Jill Biden, the first lady of the United States, wanted to invite, iowa a runner-up for the national championship to the white house as well she said she didn't want to go but has since reeled that back and decided talking to her teammates and kim mulkey that they would go ahead and attend the white house championship celebration that they'll be having along with uconn as well and You know, it's such a small sports world when you look at the fact that Jordan Hawkins from UConn, he declares that he's ready for the NBA draft, but he is the cousin to Angel Reese, and you have two cousins that were valuable assets to their teams winning the national championship, and I think that that's you know it couldn't have happened at a bigger time for men or women's basketball but to say that both of them could possibly be going to the white house at the same time both of them being from maryland and having a chance to see 1600 pennsylvania avenue many times i think that that aspect of it though michael is one that champions and winners definitely go and belong at the white house
2: yeah it's uh it's been a minute since we got a good uh Will or won't attend the White House headline. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's the reality of the last five or six years of of uh, sports in America. But I, I mean, without making this a political thing, I, I don't care what no. your politi- politics are, to be quite frank. Like, I, I think that's just something that you saw pop up a lot in the last five or six years is like, such-and-such such is not going to attend the White House or such-and-such such is going to attend the White House, I, I I just think it's so foolish. It's like if you win the national championship and or Super Bowl or World Series or whatever the case may be, some kind of championship where you've earned the right to be invited to the White House, it's like I don't really care whether you agree or disagree with with the person who holds the office of the president of the United States you need to have the respect for the office that is the president of the United States and understand the fact of the honor that it is to be honored at the White House and again I like whether you agree with whoever the sitting president is at the time and 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 their policies or or whatever the case may be i i just it's been it's always that's always a frustrating thing for me to read it's like blank won't attend the white house because of such and such i i I just don't get it it's like sports is is the
1: ultimate uniter and not divider yeah and it shouldn't matter regardless of your affiliation or your thoughts you know that that tradition is one that again champions invited to the white house is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I would encourage anyone that is a national or world champion to go ahead and take advantage of that. And LSU and UConn both will be taking advantage of that. And
2: if you're invited to the White House and you choose not to accept it because you don't agree with uh, whoever the president is, I I just I think that's ridiculous. Like the honor of being invited to the White House to have your team honored. It is, is, and that's I, why I'm
1: glad Angel retracted yeah. her thought and yeah, her I'm, statement about it, and said, "Look, it's not about me. It's about we. It's about my teammates. And if she so chose not to go, you know, she could have set it out. But you know, to to speak as a whole on your team, that's what was the the biggest controversy there. So I'm glad that again LSU going to the White House, UConn going to the White House, both deserving national champions and having an opportunity to continue to uphold that tradition. And speaking of, of the championship tradition, Oscar Yashibwe from Kentucky, the big man says he'll continue his college eligibility, but he's going to test the waters of the NBA as well. And I think that that's a situation to where being a consensus, all American, I don't, I don't say, I don't, I don't see why why he would even why he would even consider staying at Kentucky.
2: Well, he could have left last year, but he wasn't gonna be either a first round pick or he wasn't gonna be drafted at all. And again, I from a scouting perspective, we'd have to get someone on who 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 knows a little bit more than than you or I in terms of what qualifies as an NBA big man and what they look for. I, I just uh I mean, whether Sheboy has significantly improved his NBA draft status this year, I, I would doubt it. So it's it's not that surprising to to see the fact that he's opened the option of of staying at Kentucky because again remember he's he's probably making a good bit of money nil wise and still having a really good time playing basketball at Kentucky. I know I'm loving watching him at Kentucky. Kentucky's going to be really good next year, or at least if they're not good, Calipari uh, has a problem on his hands because they have like a historically good recruiting class coming in. Uh, so I-, I could see why Sheboy might say, ah, well, why not stick around for another But game? how much better is he going to get? Probably, I-, I mean, he'll, he'll make Kentucky not. better. I-,
1: I still think he's going to be a, a second-round draft pick at best. Uh, and... That's one of the reasons I guess he would consider coming back to Kentucky again to help John Calipari earn that
2: $8.5 million contract. Maybe he feels like received. he has unfinished business. I mean, look at what Kentucky has accomplished in the tournament in his time there, and it's not much at all. But that, again, that being said, if this was pre-NIL, I would agree with you. I, I would think Oscar Shibwe... Is probably the most marketable athlete on campus at the University of Kentucky. So, like, I mean, he's probably making, I, if I'm just speculating, in the six figures without a doubt. So, I, I understand the want or need to say, hey, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna stay here and. and You know, collect a six figure check and be the man on on campus at Lexington and and still have a really good time instead of going to the NBA and being, you know, the 11th man off the bench. I, I can get that from his perspective. Well, Armando Baycott from North Carolina, another
1: big man who is very visible and has received a lot of accolades while his time at North Carolina. He may come back for unfinished business at North Carolina as well. I kind of put those guys as two big men that, again, second-round picks, but can continue to come back. And to me, if either one of them are able, especially Baycott, being able to get North Carolina not only back to the tournament but push Hubert Davis possibly to national significance when the ACC have higher visibility, you're not going to get higher visibility
2: than being uh, unanimous first-team All-American. Well, for out it's interesting because, I mean, obviously he was a superstar last season, and then came back and really was not very good this year. To put it to put it a little bit bluntly, uh, and UNC was obviously pretty terrible and, and misses the tournament. And we, we've talked about this UNC in the Hubert Davis era has really played one month of good basketball. I mean they were a nine seed that, that made a, a miracle run to the national championship and and thank you to UNC, eliminated Coach K and Duke in the process. It was great to see, but UNC in the Hubert Davis era has certainly not played up to a consistent level of of UNC basketball. So I I I mean I think there's probably more to gain for Shebway than, than Baycott, but I, I, I guess there it's a fair comparison in that, you know, they're probably both you know, late second round, big men, why not just hang around? And, you know, I, I get the want to still be a college student and, uh, you know, probably more than most, I get that. Uh, but th- to just hang around and have another good season and, and uh, and you know, why not? It, it, probably better than being an 11th man off the bench or even playing in the G League at that point. Well,
1: you, you have Alabama football players who decided to come back and stick around and increase their value and stock as players and that's a hard decision when you have to make but like you mentioned the nil money has changed that aspect and what they're able to receive and get to take care of themselves and to continue to enjoy it and alabama finishing up its eighth spring practice today and it was a live scrimmage to where Nick Saban was overall pleased. He thought a lot of good hitting and a lot of physical play, and thought the intensity was good. And he said a lot of good things were out there today. Nick Saban speaking on the Alabama Crimson Tides practices, as with it being a live one, two more big ones before the A Day game coming.
2: Yeah, and I. I mean, he he had a lot of good things to say with the receivers, with the running backs. With I don't know, are are you surprised that Saban came out with all these quotes about specific guys and specific position groups? I, I feel like this is kind of not that unusual for spring Saban. It's like, but I I've, does feel like he's gotten a bit more optimistic in in his old age a little bit. Well, I, I think that. Terry Saban has a
1: lot to do with <laughs> that to, to encourage him to say more positive things yeah. because it's being used against Coach Saban, not only his age, it's it's always used against him. And how's that worked out for the rest of the country from a recruiting standpoint? Take a look at and this recruiting class. It, and no question about Caleb that. Caleb Downs
2: and James Smith and Quay Russo might have something to
1: say about that. Number one recruiting class. But Miss Terry said, look, you know, you – You come across as coarse or not loving, and that's really not what Nick Saban is all about. He loves his guys. He loves his guys, as most, really all coaches should. uh, But there's a different mentality sometimes, because Coach Saban does have that old-school mentality, Uh, not necessarily Bobby Knight-wise or Dean Smith-wise, but you, you can have that demanding personality and still be praising of your student athletes as well and i think that that's shown where nick saban has changed because you used to hear pretty much nothing positive coming out of his practices
2: well it's like even after the games in the regular season this year when alabama i think you'd probably agree that they didn't look great even in the games they won this year uh, there were a lot more closer games and wins than I think Alabama fans were used to. And, and Nick Saban would come out after the game and say, yeah, yeah, I think uh, we did a lot of good things. Whereas, you know, if this was 2009 Nick Saban or 2012 Nick Saban, he'd be kind of saying like, this was crap. This was terrible. Like we, we didn't do this well. And if we do this next week, we're going to get beat. Uh, instead, you know, t- I, I think if you look at after the Texas A&M game this year where there were a two point conversion away from losing, uh, uh, or, or a play the, the equivalent of the two-point conversion and he after the game he says yeah you know we we the defense did a good job you know offense was shaky but uh, it's it's just funny how, how how much he has softened up a little bit over the years I, I don't think that that's led to less success but they know well, they haven't won a, a championship in a couple of years and they're not beating the hell out of teams anymore but I think that also is just the reality of college football anymore that that doesn't even Georgia this year who went 15 and0 yes they won by 58 in the national championship but they were competitive with kent state at home they almost lost on the road to missouri this year it's like it just doesn't happen anymore that you're just going to blow out 12 teams in a row
1: a mellowed coach saban to say the least because i know a lot of his players that came in and won that first national championship with them they they said look who, who is this who this we we don't we don't recognize this yeah. guy. Had that been
2: us, it would have been a whole different story. But brought in Ha Ha Clinton Dix as like director of player development, so Ha Ha can do the can do the butt chewing for him. I, I just not love that the Saban's fact. not doing butt chewing, by the way. But no, I'm no, I doors. mean you, you're going to get that
1: from Nick Saban. That's why he's the goat. But I just like the the different ways and philosophies that coaches have and and the way that coach saban has evolved and changed whether it be with his own offensive and defensive philosophies whether it be three yards in a cloud of dust the way look we're gonna we have to find a way to contain the spread to where we're gonna run the spread to to just different instances to where he's become better, a better speaker in front of those who are listening in regards to how he handles his players in the media. The final drive here on this Good Friday, we'll put the finishing touches on it when we come back with Michael Brauner and myself next year on WNSP 105.5.
4: Hey, this is Amari Cooper. You're listening to Sports Radio WNSP.
1: The final drive here on this Good Friday on WNSP 105.5. Hope everyone has a wonderful Easter weekend. I know that the rain is supposed to be coming through later on tonight and tomorrow. So, Hope everyone stays dry and enjoys their Easter egg hunts and watching those youngins give those Easter speeches. But it's been a great final drive today. Want to thank Ryan Balangie for joining us along with head football coach at the University of South Alabama, Kane Womack, along with Evan Dudley. He works for AL.com and is the UAB beat writer you know, when you start looking at the Masters being suspended, Michael, it's—I think Masters Monday is definitely coming for everybody. So when we come on the air on Monday, we may not have a Masters winner, but if they're still I'll be playing, pretty
2: upset if there's no winner by Monday. I—I
1: I, I, I just don't see how they're going to get it in, and I think that that's one of the things that the golfers are going to realize as well. And I know we have John Roschetti's. Miller Lite Golf Show coming up on Monday as well, and we'll be able to talk to him during our segment before he gets his show started right after our final drive, but we'll see how it goes. Now, don't forget Auburn tomorrow as well having their 8 Day game, and regardless of the weather, Hugh Freeze, having an opportunity to put and get his first 8A behind him as Auburn's head coach. So I know there's a lot of excitement being generated by the Auburn fan base about that game being played tomorrow also.
2: Yeah, it's going to be a good day in Auburn. I think it's going to rain, so we'll we'll see what happens there i I i've hopefully no injuries or anything like that but it seems like rain is just an a-day tradition for both schools at this point so it is what it is that's the biggest thing though michael
1: out of all these competitions you want to see these schools stay injury free and for you to continue to be able to work on that depth chart to where we can have an established one going into the fall it's been a fantastic good friday here on the final drive and again as stated i want to thank everyone for tuning in and listening and all your replies on the app and all your telephone calls as well we'll reset and get it done all again on monday hope everyone has a wonderful easter weekend and we'll talk to you on Monday.